Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. A couple of days ago, I found myself on stage in San Francisco for the first time in a couple of years. The pandemic had essentially put an end to in-person performances of a show that is near and dear to my heart, and that is Body Storytelling, run by Dixie De La Tour in San Francisco. And Body Storytelling is a sort of a kinky, sexy, sex and body positive folklorist event that happens usually monthly. It moved to a virtual setup during the pandemic. However, I found myself having a really cranky approach to doing online performances throughout the pandemic. So I kind of just turned away from that for the past couple of years. But it was truly beautiful to be back on stage. And the way body storytelling works is once a year, Dixie hosts what's called the best of body and the audience of folks who have either attended the shows or listened to the podcast are able to vote on who their favorite storyteller is. And this has been happening, I think, for most of the past 15 years that Dixie has been doing this. I think at least 10 years. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. But I can say that every time that best of body has been voted on, I have won and been allocated a place. And I have, I think, I don't think I've missed, I think I maybe missed one because we were going to be in Europe at the time. But other than that, I make it a point to go coming out of pocket because it certainly is a shoestring bucket organization. And so I have to fly myself back to attend, which a lot of people are like, what the hell? Why are you doing that? Are you getting paid? Not enough to cover my expenses by any stretch. But the reason that I do body storytelling is because that performance, the first time I got up, in front of a room full of people to tell a story about my life and to know that I could talk about a sexy story with a kinky edge without the fear of judgment or recoil or anything except people leaning forward further and further to absorb the filthy details of the story I was relating. And I was hooked and transported and I realized that despite the fact that I had spent my entire life as a performer, this was something different. If you're someone who is curious about kink and BDSM but has no doggone idea where to start, I got you. First off, I'm the co-author of a book called Playing Well with Others, The Guide to Exploring, Navigating, and Discovering the Kink, Leather, and BDSM Relationships. You can find that on Amazon, and I'll put a link in the description. But let's say you want a more personal one-on-one interaction. I got you, fam. Go to thekinkdoula.com. It's T-H-E-K-I-N-K-D-O-U-L-A. 
You may be familiar with the concept of doulas from childbirth, but what about rebirthing yourself? What about going deep within and uncovering the secrets and wondrous discoveries that maybe, just maybe, have been hiding from you or you've been hiding from yourself for a long time? You want to talk about your secret fetish, your kink, perhaps just you're curious about how to expand your mind a little bit more into becoming the person you truly want to be. Contact me at thekinkdoula.com and let's see who you can become. It was not my first time doing storytelling. I had previously done a solo show, 69 Stories, One Pervert's Tale, which was about my discovering and finding myself and coming into kink and BDSM. And the reason I thought to even do that story many years prior even to this was that people kept asking me, how the hell did you figure out you were kinky? And so I started to tell them about this one guy I had met back in 1993 and how he had really kind of shifted my perspective. Maybe I'll do a later episode on that. That's a bit more involved and I don't necessarily want to go there today. What I do want to talk about is how powerful storytelling is for me. And I have body storytelling to thank quite substantially for my strength and faith in myself, but I'm going to have to go back a little bit further because the first time I was requested to do storytelling was actually at the house of a friend of mine before I left Los Angeles. My friend Lori Shirishi, who is a rocket scientist, not an exaggeration, that's what she is, was having a going away party for me when I was leaving Los Angeles. And at this party, she broke out her huge ass video camera. Remember those? Oh my God, you guys. And she said, look, there are three stories I want you to tell me. And I want to record them so that I have them. And I was like, really? Okay. So we went into her back bedroom and set up the camera. And and she was like, okay, I want you to tell the story of the British guy, which was the kink discovery story. And I want you to tell a story about your dad and the boat and the other story about Morocco with the Berber tribesmen and how they rescued you from the cliff. And I was like, all right, here we go. And over the next half hour or so, I regaled her with these tales. And as I was telling them, people started poking their heads in from the party going, what's going on in here? And it was like, shh, shh, I was telling the story for the camera. By the end of the first story, the entire party had relocated into this bedroom. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And there were like 20 or 30 people sort of gathered around all like listening, wrapped with attention. And the people who'd heard the stories before were like, oh, no, this is good. You got to hear this. And I was like, you've already heard it. They're like, yeah, I want to hear it again. And it was so funny because I thought, wow, okay, well, I, I guess people just, you know, like these stories. They're pretty unusual. But I hadn't really grasped on to my capacity to share and what that meant and what it meant for people who were listening. Fast forward back to now with body storytelling. And part of what I do in my storytelling is exactly the same thing I do in my teaching, which is I illustrate one point, one central point that I wish to make with a story. I try not to club people over the head with it like, okay, I'm going to tell you about this time. I 
made out with this person and then discovered that like, I actually, I think making out is kind of gross and I'm not sure how much I like kissing and blah, blah, blah. The point is not necessarily the story when I'm teaching, but the point definitely is a story when I'm telling the story. However, when I'm telling stories, I'm also teaching. It's all the same thing. There is a long tradition among my ancestors of storytelling. Before the written word was created, people just had stories. And these stories were not just for entertainment. They were so that you knew your history. They were so that you knew where you'd come from. They were so that you knew the names of your ancestors and their villages and the amazing deeds that they had achieved and the accomplishments and the history of your society. And what is so grim and so terrifying is that oral tradition was destroyed by the time my ancient ancestors were in America, brought as they were, non-consensually, stolen, murdered, and taken to another country where the tradition continued despite the best efforts to destroy it. So many of the folk tales that we know now in America are of African origin, and that's because those things survive. Stories survive regardless of how they're told. Stories can save lives. Years ago, I had someone send me an email after listening to a storytelling podcast I had performed on called Snap Judgment. And on that podcast, I told a very short to very condensed version of my experience in going to rehab and meeting my own personal demon, which was a rather unpleasant hyena that I spent many, many hours after that speaking with and listening to. And many years after that, reconciling with the rest of my life and trying to understand. And when I had the opportunity to tell the story of my alcoholism and the shame and humiliation that it went along with having to get help for it, I was absolutely sure that this was something that I would never be able to do, that my mouth would dry up to a raisin and I would be unable to sputter out the words because, oh my God, you know, you guys, there's nothing really glamorous about alcoholism and addiction. But I remembered watching a heroine of mine, Margaret Cho, who's now a friend of mine, which is pretty cool, and seeing her do stand-up about struggling with addiction and people laughing and my jaw falling open as she's talking about just being in the bed so wasted that you're unable to get up and go to the bathroom and thinking, I, I have been there. How can you talk about that? She must be crazy. And what I realized later was, no, she was being present and honest. And I aspired to that. I do have a movie now of Hyena that should be coming out soon. Hopefully, we'll see how a distribution deal goes. But the drive to tell the story is so vital. And after ping on Snap Judgment, when I got this email from someone who messaged me and said, look, I just heard your story on Snap Judgment and I had one of those NPR driveway moments. And if you listen to NPR, which is National Public Radio, you probably know about those driveway moments. If you listen in your car, you'll get to wherever you need to be and you'll sit in the driveway rather than leave and complete your errand because you just need to hear the end of that piece. And so this man wrote to me and said, you know, I had been sober for a little while, 
but decided to give up on that and was on my way to the liquor store when your story came on Snap Judgment. And when I got to the store, I just, I stopped in a parking space so I could finish listening to it because you were really speaking to me. This story was for me in that moment. And then he said that he started his car back up and turned around and went back home and didn't drink that day. And so he wanted to say, thank you for that. And I was so stunned because I could have not imagined ever sharing this with one other person, not to mention millions. And because I did, someone didn't drink for one more day. And I mean, fuck, isn't that all we have is one more day, right? This is how powerful telling our stories can be. And as I stood up on stage at Body Storytelling, I was telling a story of how years back I had gone to Norway, to Oslo, basically for a booty call with this very fascinating Norwegian guy, sort of a retired Norwegian black metal head. (laughs) head shaved, rough and buff and freckly. And just, he was, this dude was like full Viking, right? Like this was the guy. And what was sort of amazing about the story as I was relating it is that it seems like it's going to be, you know, a sexy story about a hookup. What it actually became was a kind of miraculous story about accepting my body. For you see, at the time that I met up with this gentleman, my menstrual cycle had just started. And while I don't really have a problem with engaging in intimacy during that time, many people do. And it's always something that I have found I've had to apologize for and say, I'm sorry, maybe we can, do you want to do something else? Should I wear a tampon, put down a towel? And long story short, this guy was not only unbothered, but basically permitted the bedroom to become a scene from CSI by the time we were finished. And when we were done and sort of hanging out in bed and I looked over to see his hands covered in my blood as he's smoking a cigarette and regarding me through the smoke and trying to figure out if he's going to go another round now or eat something first and then go another round. And this was not just liberating for me, but mind-blowing because acceptance is one thing. Celebration is another. I've had many lovers who have accepted that I bleed, but not many lovers who have celebrated it and said, yeah, you're on the rag, but what we're going to do now is not worry about that and have some really hot and amazing sex. I tell that story in order to not just titillate, because believe me, in its full-fledged form, it is hot and you'll be able to find it on the Body Storytelling Podcast. (laughs) But the reality is what I want to share with people is it is so different. It is so different to have someone accept you than it is to have someone celebrate you. The first time I hooked up with a guy who really loved fat chicks, that awakened a whole new facet to my sexuality. 
because previously I had enjoyed sex despite the fact that I was fat. Now I was enjoying having someone for whom my body at a size 20 was just fat enough for him. And had I been a couple of sizes bigger, he might've been even more turned on, which I don't know how that could have happened. I might've died. I'm glad I'm not dead. (laughs) But the reality is, holy shit, life lived with joy and celebration and people who just want to plunge themselves fully into you is way better than people who turn to you and say, you're okay how you are. I accept you no matter what. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I just personally feel it's way better to have someone who can't stop wanting you because of who you are, for whom your body and its functions and how you are living in this sack of meat and fluids that all of us are trapped in. Just that they love it and celebrate it and and can't get enough of it. Holy shit. I'm highly recommending this to everyone. Hmm. Now, in addition to performing at Body Storytelling, uh, not once but twice, there were two shows in this past edition. We also were meeting up with a friend of mine who's another sex educator who we have a little thing, a little something going on. And so my spouse, Meister who really has a thing for voyeurism and group sex and sharing partners with other people, really enthusiastically wanted us to all get together and have a hot, sexy time, and I just could not feature it. First reason is my libido has been a bit janky. I'm 50. I'll be 53 in June, so I'm not a spring chicken. My body's going through all sorts of amazing hormonal changes. And if you are fortunate enough to get to the age where your body goes through amazing hormonal changes, I'm just letting you know right now, shit gets a little weird. Okay. There's a lot of science. It's just now starting to happen around what happens to people who go through menopause. But whoo, let me tell you, this shit is hairy and not cute. It is not cute. <laughs> But one of the things I have struggled mightily with is the shift in my libido and my sexual desire. Imagine someone for whom their sexuality and their freakiness has been an aspect of their identity since puberty. I've always been the sex weirdo. I was always the kid who knew all the stuff. I was one of the kids who was first out there like boning and talking about it in my high school. This has always been my position. This has always been a feature of my identity. There is absolutely not one human being who has known me in my life who evinced any sort of surprise, shock, or was taken aback when I came out as being kinky and when I went into sexual education. Not one motherfucking person, okay? I am who I fucking am. And so experiencing a shift away from my previous sexuality and how it manifested has been... A lot. It's been a lot. 
And it's also been a lot for my husband because he's still relatively new to all of this and really believe that hooking up with someone who was as high profile and internationally known as I meant that they would be sexual partners, throwing themselves at our feet and the orgies every weekend and all this amazing shit. And I had to warn him, actually, I, <laughs> I actually rarely get approached by people for play. And when I do work up the nerve to ask people to play or to approach them or to tell people I think they're interesting and cute and I'd like to hook up with them. My failure rate is very high. I'll I'll tell you, honestly, to be straightforward, the last three people I approached for crush reasons that I was like, I think you're cute and you're really awesome. All three of them were incredibly flattered and just delighted and flattered and humbled that I was telling them this. That was it. That was all. So... (laughs) At some point, I just start saying to myself, you know, I think I'm just going to live my life over here quietly, gathering dust and and just being with my partner because that's enough for me. But he has other needs. And since I am a submissive, and since this does not cause me any emotional, psychological, uh, physical or mental harm, I go ahead and do it when I can, with people I know and trust. And that's the most critical. And this particular person is someone I know and trust. And despite the fact that I know and trust them, I was still having anxiety and still feeling really kind of weird about it. And I couldn't figure out why until I started negotiating more specifically with my owner. And I finally just said, you know, I, I'm just not, I just, I'll I'll do this, but I just, I don't really want to have responsibility for it. And can you just both pay attention to me? Can it be about me? Is that possible? Well, yes, of course, of course. And so that was the order of business for the evening, that this threesome was about Mo getting off and my pleasure and my focus. I'm going to tell you, I thought I knew myself and here's where I found a piece of myself I didn't ever quite understand. I loved being the center of attention. That's not surprising. But what I realized was that I had never given myself permission to be so. I always felt, especially sexually, that I needed to prove myself, that I needed to be amazing in bed, that I needed to to have no gag reflex and be able to do it for hours and want it for hours and lubricate and come and have orgasms, you know, at the drop of a hat. It takes me quite a bit longer to have orgasms these days. And my libido wasn't necessarily all there all the time. Therefore, it triggered my feeling like I needed to do even more to please my partners. And instead, what I did for this experience was give myself the opportunity to have a few hours where I received and just let that happen. What I neglected to add into the equation is the other side of providing pleasure for someone. Do I know the joy and delight it is to serve someone else and to see how happy they are? Yes, I fucking love that. So why did it not occur to me to let that glow and delight be in someone else's eyes as they provided me with pleasure? I was like, wait a second, this is fucking amazing. And I also needed to remember that Giving someone else pleasure is its own fulfillment 
it is its own majestic galloping war horse of bad assery and sexual energy. And looking into the eyes of your partner and your other partner (laughs) and seeing them just glowing with lust and delight because you can't stop coming is pretty fucking good. And if you're one of those people who does like energy work or running energy or deliberately focusing on sexual vibes as they're moving through your body and through the universe, doing that sexual magic shit. Let me tell you, for those of us who are manifestors, to have that energy poured into us and then to pour it back out into our partners and into the universe transformed into just the energies of pleasure and delight is magic. And nobody should have to earn that. It is our birthright as human beings in bodies that can do that. And if that's your pleasure, if that's what you enjoy, oh my God, do you have the right to fully dig deep and explore that? Now, I don't know what this means for my longer term sex life because finding more than one person to engage with sexually people you trust and you can really let go of so you can truly be present and also truly let go. Not easy for me. That's not a thing that I can do in the casual sex realm. Fuck, I'm not even sure if I can do casual sex anymore. Maybe I could, I don't know. But I don't need to know because right now I'm just sitting still in the afterglow of saying to myself, holy cow, I can just be in my body and experience pleasure and affection and sexual energy and love of this type. And that's enough. That's enough. I'm enough. And this sounds so cheesy and so corny, but I don't feel that often enough. I'm too often beating myself up for not doing enough. I beat myself up for like 48 hours because I didn't have anything to say in the fucking podcast. And then my producer was like, people are just there to listen to you. You can just share what you want to say. So that's where I'm at. And 25 minutes later, I guess he was right. You guys, I love you. And I really hope that in this fucking nutso, balls out, crazy, dangerous world, You can take the time to carve out some space, some quiet to be, and to really understand that being is enough. Believe it. Believe it. You have to. You must. If we're going to heal, quote unquote, the world, It has to start with each and every one of us going forward and saying, I am worthy of love and a place, period. Now, how do I make that happen? We can't come from a place of fear and and, and self-loathing and terror. It has to be love and it has to feel good. I don't know. Am I an idiot? Am I a dumbass? I don't think so. But I know I am feeling a lot these days, and I'm sure that you are as well. 
And I don't think that the solution to everything is to go have sex, but (laughs) I think it is very helpful to take a moment and enjoy your body and enjoy the pleasure that it can bring you, however it brings you pleasure. Perhaps you're someone for whom sexual pleasure is just not at the top of your list. In which case, what sensual pleasures do you enjoy? Taking a bath, taking a walk, watching a sunset, laying down in the forest and gazing up between the branches of the tree and just breathing. Whatever it is, my God, take the time and do that. None of us knows how many more breaths we have on this earth. Please make sure that as many breaths as you can manage are breathing in light and breathing out sadness and letting it go so that you can focus on how much of a fucking badass you are. Because when you feel good, when you've had a couple of hours worth of like orgasms, for example, when you've just watched the sun slip over the horizon and a little crescent of moon slowly come into view, it's hard to hold hate in your heart. And I think if more people took the time to find their own pleasure in their own bodies and to know that they would do anything to fiercely defend their breath and their life and the life and breath of those they love and the life and breath of those who... Oh, God, I just broke down. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, I'm not apologizing. It's okay. I'm super emotional, you guys. (sighs) I love you. I do. And I wish I could be there in front of you to say it, but I can't. But I can be present for you spiritually. And if you are not feeling loved and you are sitting in the winds of darkness as they howl around us right now, know that there are people out here who are bringing light and love and we are here. And we're going to fucking stay here. Because some of us purely exist to bring joy and laughter and love. And I like to consider myself one of those people. I would love to know that even just for a few minutes, my being with you has taken you back into yourself and back into how awesome and amazing you are. Thank you for listening. Please, please, please be kind to yourself. Please then take that kindness for yourself, that compassion, And let it spill out of your pores and your hands and your heart and your eyes and your mouth so that we can truly live in love. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb. Theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon.